0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Unless we're doing the great care involved in deeply understanding ourselves and being compassionate for ourselves and treating ourselves with respect and dignity and all the generosity that we would our closest, dearest friend in the world, we simply won't be capable of extending those traits to others.
1: Hi there. Thanks for joining me for this Friday episode of The Next Big Idea Daily. I'm your host, Michael Kovnet, and all week I've been talking with Jesse Hempel. You should check out Jesse's podcast, Hello Monday, or read some of the writing she's done for Wired, Fortune, or Time magazine. That stuff is really insightful about technology and business. But if you want to find out what Jesse Hempel is really all about, I recommend reading her memoir, The Family Outing. The attention-grabbing synopsis of the book is that it's the story of a seemingly straight-laced, church-going family that, over the course of several years, was turned upside down as four out of five family members came out as gay, bi, or trans. But as Jessie and I have been talking about this week, her family's unconventional path offers universal lessons about authenticity, listening, truth-telling, and connecting. These are great tools to have if you're trying to strengthen or repair relationships within your own family. But keeping your family from drowning in drama can be hard, even risky work. So Jesse's final piece of advice is to put on your own life jacket first.
0: Earlier, I mentioned a conference call in which my siblings and I call our parents to ask them to divorce. At least, that's how I remember it at first. While I'm working on the book, I stumble across an academic book I'd forgotten about. It's called Families Like Mine, Children of Gay Parents, Tell It Like It Is. It was published in 2004, just a couple years after the conference call. The author, Abigail Garner, interviews both me and Katya for this book. I tell her about the conference call. I'm 27 at the time, recalling something from just a few years earlier. And here's my quote, just as it's published. We called them on a conference call. We told them, we are your children, and we need to make a few things clear. We can't take on your burdens. We need to know you are okay. We think you should divorce, and we know it will be on your time. We don't want to know the axis of your crisis. We just need to know you're okay. We want to know you have good therapists, but we really can't deal. The small piece of my personal history preserved is a gift. When people we love go through hard times, like my parents, We often want to make things better for them. We usually can't. This is even more true when those people are our parents, our children, our siblings. Often the only thing we can do is love them enough to maintain our own boundaries so that when they emerge, we aren't so angry at them and broken by them that we cannot be in relationship with them. In this passage, I can see what I didn't remember. That our call was not, in fact, to tell our parents to divorce. It was to tell them how to treat us. Where we belong in their lives, what roles we are willing to play. It doesn't matter now that they cannot remember it. It doesn't even matter that we cannot. At that vulnerable moment in our family's history, my sister, my brother, and I took care of ourselves instinctively. This is a way that we took care of them.
1: Now, at first glance this seems almost to be in contradiction with some of your other ideas because you've mostly been telling us listen to other people center their experience um and this is a moment where you're saying yeah but look after yourself you know you <laughs> you you can't just all be about empathy and centering other people all the time uh that there's something really important about protecting your own boundaries, protecting some, you know, having some integrity around your own needs. Tell me how that's played out for you in your family story that how how you've been able to maintain yourself at the same time trying to empathize and connect and be there for your family members.
0: I think more about what it means to put on your own life jacket first as if you want to do the work of being close to others. You have to remember that your first best friend is yourself. And yes, that sounds a bit cheesy, but stop and think about it. Unless we're doing the great care involved in deeply understanding ourselves and being compassionate for ourselves and treating ourselves with respect and dignity and all the generosity that we would our closest, dearest friend in the world We simply won't be capable of extending those traits to others. And in fact, it is the self-acceptance, the radical self-acceptance that serves as a jumping off point for us to even be able to Mm -hmm. open up to the idea of truly centering another person's experience.
1: Mm -hmm. So you had to do a fair amount of work on yourself before you could really take in your family members' life stories, probably.
0: That's another way of saying that I needed all nine years of therapy um, (laughs) in order to get from where I started in my 20s, still really working on the first aspects of coming out and very angry at every single person in my family to where I ended up, you know, in the back half of my 30s in a place where I felt like I had emerged into the adult that I loved and cherished and respected Mm. and that I had the energy to invest in figuring out how to be in relationship with everybody else.
1: You know, sometimes this does involve drawing some tough boundaries. I mean, in your call with your parents where you were telling them, encouraging them to get divorced, I think what you came to realize is that what you were all, all the kids were doing was, was saying, this is, this is not working for us. You know, on the one hand, maybe one memory of it is that we were encouraging them to do what would be right for them. But on reflection, I think you were realized that you were all speaking from your own needs and like, we can't handle this. This is not good for us. Is that, do I have that right?
0: Yeah, you do have that right. And I I think that this is also, this speaks to um, who we are in the moments when people around us are having a particularly tough time. Mm -hmm. Um, And this, You know, there are lots of moments in our lives when the people around us, our close family members, perhaps are alcoholic or struggling with a drug addiction issue or like my parents going through a really awful divorce when they're really not being their best selves to each other or to the rest of us. And in those moments, um, sometimes the very best thing you can do is take care of yourself enough and set enough boundaries with them. That when and as they find their independent way to healing, you're not so angry at them and broken by them that you can't figure out how to make room to be close to them again. Mm. And so, in the moments when my parents were in just the worst, like, you know, period of their splitting up, like what we were trying to do on that phone call with them was ultimately to set some boundaries, Mm -hmm. to say, here are the things that you can talk to us about, and here are the things that you can't. And you've got to go handle this stuff Mm -hmm. and back off and leave us alone. Mm -hmm. And um, that was us taking care of ourselves, right? And us taking care of ourselves is what then allowed us to allow them back into our lives in a productive way again in the future.
1: Mm. Has this come up more recently too? Because now, especially having written this book, I get the impression you're all you're all a little bit in each other's business. You you all seem oh, pretty yeah, connected. So do you, and by so- the
0: way, it's not like we we get along any better than anybody else's family, really. I mean, uh, it's not all tea and roses over here, um, but it's really respectful. And at the end of the day, we all know that we're all going to opt in, and we all trust that completely. And that goes a long way when there's conflict, right? Um, but yeah, the boundaries thing is huge, and boundaries have taken us a lifetime to get right, and they're still. You know, still shifting.
1: it's another thing i I sometimes think about again with child rearing that um, you know this this idea of setting your own boundaries so that it's like when you're when you're disciplining a kid, for example, there's a difference between saying like you shouldn't do that, you're bad, that's wrong, and saying, like, this isn't I can't handle this this is this is not working for me in my I, I have a need for quiet right now or I have you know, in my house, I want us to treat each other with respect or something. You're just trying to like bring it back to like, you know, you've got your own life going on. I'm not denying you're having the experience you're having right now, but I have to speak my reality, which is like, this is not a good situation for me.
0: Well, and think about what that does in terms of a a sort of a relationship, any relationship, a relationship with somebody at work, in our family. It basically takes all the blame off, right? It depersonalizes it. And when you take responsibility for what you need in the world and you lay down the framework to live in that need, um, then it's up to somebody else what they're going to do about that and how they're going to react to it. And that ultimately is, it sets you up for a much more productive relationship with them. And ultimately, it allows somebody else to know what to expect from you, which allows somebody else to to opt in better, I think.
1: Jesse, is there anything you think that I should touch on before we wrap up?
0: No, I just, Michael, I'm really impressed by you as an interviewer. You're a very elegant interviewer. And I realized that this book is shoving a square peg in a round hole, except it's more mm. like an octagonal peg in which the sides aren't even. And I just really appreciate it.
1: You did the the heavy lifting for us to figure out how to make it useful for our listeners, which I hope it is. Well, thank you. And I hope our listeners read this book because it's a great read. You have a great voice as a writer and your family is just really damn interesting. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I hope you've enjoyed this glimpse inside the family outing. We've only scratched the surface. So do yourself a favor and pick up a copy wherever you buy books. And please share this podcast with others you think might get something out of it. Your family members, maybe. I'll be back next week to talk with Jonah Berger. He's a Wharton professor and best-selling author who's written a new book called Magic Words. It's based on language research that shows that the specific words you use, whether you're talking to yourself or someone else, have far more impact than you might think. I'm Michael Kovnet, your host, writer, and producer. Kayla Bissinger and Rufus Griscom serve as executive producers. Our mixing and sound design this week was done by Cocoon Audio. The Next Big Idea Daily is a proud member of the LinkedIn podcast network. Oh, that reminds me, you should really sign up for our newsletter on LinkedIn. You can do that by clicking the link in the episode notes. That's probably the best way for you to retain the life lessons we share on this podcast to keep track of all these big ideas and to give us your own ideas and feedback. See you next week.